Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hi, Jim Kearns with you. On today's show, we'll be telling you about some significant artifacts on the university campus and take a glimpse at some early Japanese in Wyoming. We'll hear about a new bicycle-friendly designation and learn about the success of the brown and gold license plate program. All right, the results are in, and we now know the list of the top 10 Wyoming artifacts. The Wyoming State Historical Society and the University of Wyoming Libraries have selected the winners of more than 40 submissions from libraries and museums from across Wyoming. And three of them are right here at the university. Number three on the top ten list is the 1863 Bridger Collins map that was drawn by the famous mountain man Jim Bridger. American Heritage Center archivist John Wagoner says it gives us a glimpse of Wyoming before it ever became a state. In 1862, the area along the Oregon Trail was not considered a safe route due to the fighting that was going on with, with the natives. And the idea was they would push the trail south into what would become the Overland Trail. And this map really shows how they were trying to shift from the Oregon Trail south to the Overland Trail. So they really show in detail that that area between, say, Fort Casper and Elk Mountain area. The first map that Collins had Bridger draw, Bridger actually did with a stick in some dirt. And I believe this is probably when they were on one of their expeditions toward the Green River. And then, to get a more detailed, preserved map, Bridger took a, a hide and a skin and with charcoal basically sketched out the map that Collins then could take back and put on paper. So the map that we're looking at here was actually done by Colonel William Collins on this paper from maps that Jim Bridger had made for him, first in the dirt and then um, with charcoal on skin. That's John Wagoner at the American Heritage Center. He showed me the rivers, streams, mountains, and buttes that would become part of Wyoming Territory in 1868. Seventh on that list are Clovis projectile points in the UW Archaeology Repository. Collections manager Jody Clotter says they were found at the significant Colby Mammoth Kill site in northern Wyoming. We have really unequivocal evidence of humans hunting mammoth at the very you know, dawn of when people first came onto the North American continent. This is the earliest evidence of humans, really, in, in North America. So we, the Clovis culture is, is part of the Paleo-Indian period, which we can date to about 11,500 to 12,000 years BP. So it's very, they're very, very old. Uh, what we get from a site like the Colby site is 
we can look at how people are hunting mammoth. So it's not just that they were, but we can tell the, you know, the hunting styles that they practiced. So for instance, at the Colby site, uh, we think that they were opportunistically catching mammoths in this arroyo environment where they would, they would come and they would literally pick off a mammoth every now and then. It's really kind of a systematic type of hunting practice, but it required a lot of knowledge about herd movements of mammoths and um, individual movements, so things of that nature. And Jody added that these Clovis points demonstrate the fine quality of stone tools manufactured by the prehistoric people in Wyoming. And six on the list of the top ten artifacts in the state is that big dinosaur skeleton in the Geological Museum. There's some debate about whether to call it a Brontosaurus or an Apatosaurus, but whatever you call it, it's one of only six such skeletons in the United States. And it's one big dinosaur. You're listening to the University of Wyoming Today. I'm Jim Kearns. We've been looking today at Wyoming's past, and many of you are aware that Japanese Americans from the West Coast were relocated to the Hart Mountain Confinement Camp in Park County during World War II. But there was a Japanese presence in Wyoming long before that. UW graduate Ara Newland is a fourth-generation Japanese-American She now teaches at Northwest College in Powell. She discussed some of her family's history during a Department of Anthropology seminar. The Japanese Americans who were already in Wyoming also suffered in lesser known ways. So many of them were railroad workers and the Union Pacific Railroad fired all of their Japanese American workers after Pearl Harbor was bombed. thought there might be a threat of sabotage. There, of course, was no threat of sabotage. There were no instances of treason in any way. But all of the Japanese-American workers were laid off, including my grandfather. I actually still have a letter that my grandpa wrote to the president of the Union Pacific Railroad saying, this isn't fair. You've laid all these people off. We've given you our lives. We've been good workers. There's no reason to lay us off just on the base of our race. Um, He never got a response from the president, but instead he got a visit from the FBI, who came to investigate him uh, as a possible traitor. And, of course, they didn't find anything. But for those railroad workers, most of them lived in railroad housing. And so when they lost their jobs, they also lost their homes. And this was in February in Wyoming. Ironically, one of Ara's grandfathers, who had worked for the railroad, had left Wyoming and opened a grocery store in Hollywood, California. Then, after Pearl Harbor, he and his family were loaded onto a bus and relocated to, you guessed it, Heart Mountain, Wyoming. You might recall that earlier this fall, we talked about the University of Wyoming and Laramie being ranked among the nation's top college towns in a couple of different websites, including a number one ranking on the college values online. The list of amenities offered here just got a little longer. 
Campus Recreation Assistant Director Dan McCoy tells us the League of American Bicyclists designated UW as a bicycle-friendly university. It tells the cyclists that essentially that there is a certain level of commitment that the campus has made to improve bicycle infrastructure, education, uh, resources that are available to cyclists. There's a, there's a certain level of that that's available at this campus. So if you're an avid cyclist, you bike to work or you might bike to school, it's going to say that this place is a friendly place for, for cyclists and that we welcome them and that, that we're um, working to improve their experience on campus. McCoy says the university received the league's bronze designation And now we're taking steps to go for the gold. You've heard that Wyoming license plates will be getting a new look beginning in 2017. Those neat-looking brown and gold plates will be changing, too, from gold letters on a brown background to brown letters on a gold background. Missy Sam has this report. Since the program started in 2008, more than 6,700 brown and gold license plates have been sold to Wyoming motorists, generating $670,000 for scholarships to attend the University of Wyoming. Since then, nearly 100 students have received scholarships valued at $1,500 each. The program has been so successful that earlier this year, the UW Board of Trustees approved a change in regulations to award 10 new scholarships annually with brown and gold plate revenues. I'm Missy Samp, reporting for the University of Wyoming today. But brown on gold or gold on brown, those UW license plates look cool on anyone's vehicle. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today.